Thanks. Thank you. <clears throat> We've been walking through um, really just a year of transformation. Uh, no, I'm good. Thank you, ma'am. And I have, uh, in the beginning, for those of you who have not been here, I've been, I argued with the Lord that this was like my personal thing. And, um, you know, the Lord told me a year ago, there's no such thing as your personal story. And the reason that that's so is because we're all connected to one body and Christ is the head of that body. So when, um, you know, I shared a couple of weeks ago, this is a great picture that the Lord just gave me, that I got this terrible splinter in my finger so that story of my thumb wasn't just for my thumb. That splinter in my thumb affected my entire body. And so I realize now that part of what the Lord's doing in this story is because we're all connected. And um, the power of the testimony, the power of this story about what we go through and how we see God overcome. So just real briefly, just because we've got some new folks, um, I began the process in sheer exhaustion and um, which led me to a question about um, what are you willing to do to rest? And that led me to a really um, resistant and reluctant place of surrender. And uh, there's other classes on this. I'm not going to try to reteach it. And that uh, we were going through a detour. God told me we were going on a detour to be confident that we had not, um, he had changed his mind. We were just taking the long way around to get there. And he wanted me to work on having dove's eyes. And we spent some time on that talking about Dove's eyes having um, no peripheral vision. And I'm going to keep releasing that because I think in some way I got so uncomfortable because he kind of undone, undone me while I was teaching. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that night, but I'm talking about intimacy and about Dove's eyes and having this single focus because I was asking the Lord to put blinders on me like a horse. And he goes, you don't need blinders because I've given you Dove's eyes. And then we had this whole time at the church I was going to, and the Lord's going, you already have Dove's eyes. You don't have to beg for them, ask them. I've already given them to you. And Dove's eyes, they only see what's in front of them. They have no peripheral vision. They mate for life, and they are fully devoted. And the Lord was just giving me a picture of, this is what I have for you. This is what you have for me. And it takes away some of the uh, people-pleasing and compromising in the way that we get lost. And then uh, we talked about recalibrating your beliefs, and that was a loaded gun, literally, is that recalibrating, do you understand what it is that you actually carry? And last week we started trying to work on um, humility, waiting with God, and what does it mean to be confident of God, even though you've not yet seen the answers of what you're looking for. Um, and we touched on hope, so tonight hopefully we're going to get through hope. Um, and as I explained last night, it's like just this stripping, 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 and as you're going through a process with God, you don't know the outcome. I didn't. When we started this journey, I didn't know where we were going to end up, which was the whole process. I think that's the microcosm of life. Because we only want to go with God if we know what the outcome is going to be. Amen? And the Lord's going, no, I want, to, I want to go somewhere, and I want to take you with me. Do you want to go? And so from the very beginning, there's a question of trust. Of will you go with God just because he asked you? And will you trust him to take you somewhere Without you knowing the answer, without you, without you knowing the answer, without you having the confidence that you're going to be the same person that you were when you left, right? Because you won't be. And so, um, some of the stuff that I, I, you have to always please grace me because I try to, I try to rush through things, and the Lord goes, and we're coming right back to that. I'm going, okay. So one of the things that was a really uh, pivotal. 
thing for me about humility, we touched on this last year, and I told you the crazy story about cleaning up rat poop. And the Lord just really going, will you worship even though you're doing that, even though you're cleaning up rat poop and you want to be the speaker and you're in the kitchen hidden away, clean up rat poop, will you worship anyway? You can either complain and grumble or you can worship. Which one will you do? And that's when he told me I was complaining and said that I was a maid. And he said, no, you're a handmaiden. And he brought this verse back to me, these scriptures back to me, and I wanted to give them to you because the idea of being a handmaiden of the Lord is very powerful. So it's... Um, it's mentioned in Genesis 33, 6, and the one that the Lord used for my own soul was Ruth 2, 13. <clears throat> and um, also it's mentioned in Song of Solomon about uh, her, her hands dripping with oil. But in Ruth 2, 13, it says, Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, and though I be not like one of thy handmaidens. And the Lord's going, when he showed me this verse, he's like going, I'm your comfort. I know you're uncomfortable. I know you're upset. I know you feel lost. Uh, but I see you. And I, <laughs> no one else sees you, but I see you. And so that was the nugget he wanted to me to give to someone tonight. No one else may be seeing you, but the Lord sees you. And that does that make a difference? Because we want to be sometimes seen and acknowledged by so many others. And the Lord's going, no, I see you. I acknowledge you. So it was very important for me in my uh, process of humility. And he gave me um, a couple of just, just the way God and I work. He just gave me pictures. Um, you often have heard the verse about it's harder for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit, you know, this thing. Well, I got revelation on that because they were talking about, I guess this is two years ago, 2013. Um, they were talking about... Um, I, and I'm not a scholar in this area, some of you may do it, but like the Hebraic year, you know, they have pictures and their calendar and all this kind of stuff that's really, really, really rich. Well, that particular year, when I'm in this season of humility and brokenness before the Lord going, what the heck are we doing? That particular picture for that year was a picture of a camel uh, being fully laden down with the favor of God and coming up to the gate called the eye of the needle. Okay, there's a gate in Jerusalem called the Eye of the Needle. And so what happens is that this thing is super narrow. So they've got all their goods on the camel, and they come up to this Eye of the Needle, and they have to unpack the camel. And the camel has to get down on its knees and come through the gate, completely naked, on its knees, come through the gate. Then they decide what they want to take through the gate. Then the camel stands back up, and then they put the stuff back on. Hello, Lucky. What kind of picture is that? So the Lord's going, this is your demonstration of humility. Do you get it? You come up, you take everything off that you think you need that makes you you, that you have to have, you want to have. You get down on your knees, you pass through this narrow place that is God and God alone. And then you come back up and you go, and then the Lord goes, now I'm going to tell you what you need. So there's a stripping that comes in humility. It's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. Actually, I have come to find that, here you go, before coming into a place with God, I used to think that humility was humiliation, right? Because the enemy takes something beautiful before the Lord because the Lord loves our humility. But we get twisted and broken and shamed and condemned and you're not enough and you're not right. And so we're going, oh, before God means humiliation. No, no, no. 
Humility is before the Lord is going, I'm going to take you, I'm going to strip you completely naked so that you can see what I see, Jenna, and go, oh, I like you just like this. Do you get the picture? How we put all this stuff on us and come to God and go, now do you like me? And the Lord goes, no, 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 take all that stuff off. Just take all that stuff. Let's just be me and you. And so maybe that's a word for some of you that you've carrying around shame and condemnation. And so humiliation is from the enemy trying to make you less than. Humility is a gift from God, for God going, you, need, you don't need all that extra stuff. Amen? So another picture that the Lord gave me, um, and you know these scriptures, humble yourself in due time and the Lord will lift you up. There's a promise in humility that God has asked you to do that. He's seen it, and when you do it, you can be sure that he is, in his perfect timing, going to lift you up. And so here comes that confidence again. Do I trust you? Do I believe you? Do I trust you? Whoo, this is really vulnerable. Ooh, oh, I don't, I'm so uncomfortable. It's like going, yeah, I see you, and I know what you're doing, and I'm going to lift you up in due time. And then one of the things, this is hilarious, because God is just <laughs> so funny. Uh, this is a hard month for me. Nobody really likes, I don't know about you. I, let me put this on myself. I didn't willingly run into the concept of humility. Oh, Kitty, we're going to learn about humility this month. I didn't do that. I was like, I was kicking and screaming. And so the Lord just really plainly, I was pruning some stuff and it was hard pruning. I mean, hard pruning. Uh, Beth came over at my house and, and so the conversations were like, you can either let this plant keep going and it's going to eventually die because it can't bear the weight of all this extra dead stuff. Or you can just go ahead and cut it and cut it hard and a hard pruning and believe that it's going to be better than what you know. But the cutting of it is just brutal because you're just trusting, oh God, that I don't kill it by cutting it back so hard. And so she'd have this conversation with me. And so I'd got my clippers and I'd cut back. I mean, my butterfly bush was huge. And she was telling me to cut it back this far from the ground. And I'm going, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill it because you're not going to kill it. You're pruning it. You're pruning it. And so then I'm out there the next day. I'm pruning it. And the Lord is so funny. He goes, you know, humility is like pruning. Thank you, God. Thank you. And then he's so funny. He goes, it's not roundup. Pruning is not roundup. You're not going to kill it. Pruning is for multiplication. It's not going to kill it. I said, when I got a hold of that, that humility is a hard prune. And the reason that God calls you to humility, the reason that God calls you to a hard prune is because he has every confidence of what's going to come next spring, the next season. Amen? So try not to run away from that and try to, yeah, this, that's all I'm going to do. So this afternoon, the Lord was quite funny, uh, just because he is. I'm just, I'm just sitting in his presence and just going, you know, this is a hard concept, I feel like, some of the things that we're trying to go through. And I just, um, in my spirit, I was just overcome. The Lord just said, blood transfusion. Okay, what does a blood transfusion? He says, you probably should look it up. So a blood transfusion is the process of transferring the blood of a person into the veins of another and I just heard that song where she said, the blood is enough. The blood is enough. The blood is reason enough to hope. Hope is a person. The blood is enough, reason enough to hope. 
And so now the, I've got my, the Lord's got my attention. And I, I want to just read you this medical definition because it's crazy. People receive blood transfusions for many reasons, including surgery, injury, bleeding, and disease. All of those could be in the spiritual and emotional. Surgery, injury, bleeding, and disease. Blood has several components, blah, 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 blah. You'll receive a transfusion that provides the parts or parts of blood that will be most helpful for you. But it's not common to use a whole blood, blah, 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 medical. So then this last phrase, it says, researchers are working on ways to develop an artificial blood. But so far, no good replacement for human blood is available. And when I heard that, I just saw Jesus. Because no human blood, there's no artificial blood that's going to do the job, that's going to do the work that God has already done. And I feel like God wants to do for some of us a literal spiritual blood transfusion. You are so beat down. You're so negative. You're so hopeless. You're so unexpecting God to show up. You know, even that thing, I don't know if you felt it in the room, when it says your leadership is perfect in my life. I don't know if you felt the reverberation, but when all the wheels came off, I heard people blaming God. Yeah, your leadership is good for my life, but that sucked and that hurt. And I don't like the way that outcome turned out. And when it says that he's good, he's good. You've never let me down. And I don't know if you do this, but my mind, my life comes up in like these places where I was walking with God and things went bad. I wasn't walking with God and things went bad. I, you know what I mean? All these scenarios. And for me to go, this blanket statement, your leadership is good in my life and you're good no matter what. You got to figure out what you really think about God. You catching what I'm saying? Because if you try to define God by your circumstances, you might have your eyes on the wrong thing. But if you let God be God and see that his eye is on us and that he's trying to do something in us, my heart for us is literally a blood transfusion. That you let the blood of Christ be piped in to your very soul so that the power and the goodness and the belief goes, I can assure you that Jesus looked to God the Father and he said, you are good. You're so good all the days of my life. Amen? So if God, if Jesus can do that, despite what he went through, what does it take? Here's the question. Whoa. Here's the question. If Jesus can turn to God the Father and go, you're good no matter what, what does it take for us to have that kind of confidence? And I'd like to suggest to you, it's a blood transfusion. So, I don't know what you do with these phrases, but I have been praying these phrases since I've heard these heard this song last week. That um, you're never going to let me go, and that's reason enough to hope. You'll notice it doesn't say you're going to give me what I asked for, and that's reason enough to hope. It says you'll never let me go, and that's reason enough to hope. And then she declared. Hope is a person, and the blood is enough. So I want to come back and say that to you again. Can I be so stark and so harsh as to say, if you find yourself without hope, have you lost 
your focus on the person who is hope. I feel like I, I feel like in Christendom today, we take hopelessness and helplessness like hunger pains. It's the most normal thing in the world. It's just kind of, I just learned to live with it. In fact, I learned to live with it so much, I just learned to medicate it in one way or another. And I have this burning in my soul. That the supernatural comes through the door of hope. The supernatural comes through the belief that God is unstoppable. He's incredible. His eye is on us. His heart is toward us. And he's like going, baby, get up. Because I'm not done yet. And the more that we keep going, I'm getting up in the name of Jesus. I'm getting up in the name of Jesus. I'm getting up in the name of Jesus. And we will start watching Ripple effects come out of our lives. We'll start watching things manifest in our lives sheerly out of this foundation of hope that God is with us and he's good and you're never going to let me go and that's reason enough to hope. Can somebody just give me a shout out on that? So I'm going to just tell you a couple of stories about how God started recapturing my hope because if you are if you haven't already, you will, I promise. And some of us have been walking with the Lord long enough to find uh, those seasons when all the wheels come off. And so two thoughts about this um, is the power of the prophetic. I don't know how much you guys think about the power of the prophetic, but what do you need, babe? Oh, I'm bugging Chuck. Thank you, the tissue man. This is my little correction. Thank you, Chuck. There. Is that better? Did you see that little thing there? So I'm I'm like halfway through the this downtime with God, this like absolute halt. And we have this time of prayer in a, a group of safe people that heard from the Lord and loved the Lord and loved me. And this is the reason it's so important to be around a community that hears from the Lord and will speak for the Lord. It's so important. And I had um, a couple of pictures. That changed my life. It literally changed my life because I needed to hear so much from the Lord and I was seeking him, but I needed the power of community to come alongside me. And Meg is not here tonight. I laughed. I said, it's okay. I was going to talk about her anyway. But I had three friends who had three different pictures. And Megan said, she did this very specific word. She said, I don't know. I just see this like, I see this like this cluster of graves, I don't even know what graves mean. Does graves mean? I don't know. We're all brand new, right? We're all brand new in this prophetic world. She goes, I see this cluster of graves. And she said, and all of a sudden, I just see this pulling the stem out. And now it's just like this brown, like stem of grapes. And you're like, you just throw it away. And the whole bowl is left with grapes. That is so weird. I have no idea what that means. Do you have any idea what that means? I'm going, I have no idea what that means. I'm going, okay, thank you. You know, like, because when you get around prophetic and you don't know what's happening, you're going, okay, I received that. I have no idea what that means. So you just write it down, take it back to the Lord. And the other one was um, about being in a, a convertible, a yellow conver a convertible with a red scarf. I was in a convertible. Chuck and I were driving a convertible, and I had a, a scarf around my, a red scarf around my hair. And the scarf started pulling off, and I reached back to get it, and then I just let it go, and then my hair was just flying free. That sounds so crazy, you guys. And then the last one was uh, from Beth, and Beth had this, um, 
we've done this leadership retreat and we did this crazy team building exercise about uh, trying to cross the river and it's not even worth the words except that in the vision that Beth had I was we were trying to get people across the river that was the whole team project takes everybody to get across the river but in the vision she had of me is I was just standing in the river and so when I went back to the Lord and started unpacking that just I'm just trusting that this is going to make sense for somebody what God started showing me was um, your fruit is good and that you have created an environment. You, Jenna, you have a paradigm about the way this is supposed to work. So I want to challenge people who have a paradigm. God made you a promise. This is the way it's supposed to be. And by God, this is the way it's supposed to be. Because that's how I was. I had years of promises. I had years of input. I had all this structure that I had created. And the Lord had, in one fell swoop, just shut everything down. So I'm going, what am I supposed to do with all this debris? So I was working out one morning, and the Lord just brought this picture of Megan back to mind, and then the Spirit started unpacking it, that the stem, the stem of the grapes was the organizational structure that I had created. God help me. God had given me a promise, good fruit, fruit that was going to feed many. But I had created a notion about the way it was supposed to be. And so God was taking all that fruit, off the stem, and he was throwing it away. And in my case, it was the organization that I was building. He's going, you don't need that anymore. Throwing that away. But, oh, look, this whole bowl is full of grapes, and it's good fruit. And guess what? It's going to feed many. It's just not going to feed it the way you thought. Now translate that out into your life. Promises that you have gotten from God, ways that you thought it's got to be, I want it to be, I thought it was going to be like this. And just because I have some friends, I know their stories, I'm going to just share heart. When you think you've heard from the Lord and it doesn't work out that way, it's in that moment. It's in that moment that you've got to figure out, is God good? Is he good to you? Is he good for you? Because I was so relieved to find out, oh, wait, you're good. Your promises are true. You haven't changed your mind. I just missed it. Oh, that's such a relief. Because six months prior, it was not okay for me to have missed the Lord. Are you in a place of maturity with the Lord where you hear from him? Expect your hands to be very open. Because knowing everything that the Lord has said is not on you. It's on him. It's his job to bring about his promises the way he said it. Is this connecting for you all at all? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because there's a way that we start moving in relationship with God, that God tells us something, we receive it best we know how, and then we turn to the Lord and go, I've got it from here. Or we start charging down a path and we're going, wait, I'm so confused, I'm so confused. You don't ever, ever, ever get to the place where you don't need him desperately. And he can change the course any way he wants to. Our job is just to stay right there, trusting, right there, trusting. Because i got to tell you, there have been seasons here in this year, the first half, not the second half, but the first half, I've kept, I kept coming back going, do you love me? Do you see me? You keep telling me that you love me, but this really hurts. This is nothing like what I thought was going to happen. Do you love me? Are you sure that you love me? And I hear these conversations all the time that people don't just ask the question, Whew, tell me again, are you sure you love me? They go, he doesn't love me. You want to be 
very careful about this posture. Well, God did. Well, God did. I want to declare over you, God can only do good by you. You don't see good, then you've got somebody else in your hen house, but God can only do good by you. So we don't accuse him of wrong. And be careful that you get deceived into thinking that the enemy, that God is your enemy. That's the word. Be careful in thinking that God is your enemy. There's nobody better. There's nobody better. And I got to tell you, at this stage in this journey with God, when everything's flatlined, you're going, whew. I finally got to a place, surrender, down on my knees. The camel has been unloaded. Then I go, you can have it all. Take it all. Take the promises. Take the hopes. Take the dreams. See, there's going to come to a place where you'll even go, take the desire. I even trust you, God, with those deep desires. I trust that my desire is safer in your hands than it is in my own heart. Do you get that? When I found that God was repositioning me in the promises of his heart, it wasn't the promises, oh, there it is. <laughs> it wasn't the promise of what we were going to do. It was the promise of his presence. And that changed everything. Because it's great to, to press God for promises. It's great to believe. And I'm, I have outrageous dreams and promises of God that I'm believing for. But as long as you're grabbing for the promises, you might be missing the main thing. Because what God's promises is your promise. You'll never let me go. And that's reason enough to hope. Amen? So let me see what else I want to tell you for tonight. <clears throat> so many things. Oh, yeah. This is a really important word. <clears throat> God started talking to me about giving the, the Hebrew children manna in the desert, the very word of God, the very bread of God, the bread of heaven. And this was the word picture that he gave me about seeking his hand versus seeking his heart. And the Lord just said, seeking the God, this is the phrase, seeking the God of desire rather than the desire of our belly. Is, do I want the bread of heaven? Do you want the bread of heaven? Do you want the revelation and the presence of God? Do you want the God of desire? Or do you want the desire that's going to feel, feed whatever appetite you have, whatever is in your belly for the moment? Because here's what I found to be true. Depending on what age you are, you, you want to go to college, or then you want to have a job, or then you want to get married, or then you want to have children, or then you want to have grandchildren, or you want to have a bigger house. That desire in the belly... Have you guys noticed? It never goes away. No matter if you get that thing, it never goes away because there's always a desire for something else. And so God is going, no, I want you to want more than anything the God of desire. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to it as well. And then the last thing that he said about hope was this, is that I think I've shared this so many times, but about the anchor holes within the veil. And I'm just going to repeat it again for some reason. It's brought it back up again. This visual picture of 
an anchor that's been thrown through the Holy of Holies and it clank and it hooks on the cross. And so when it says that the anchor holds within the veil, this anchor that's a, this hope that's an anchor for our soul, that hope <coughs> is none other than the blood of Jesus and the surety, the surety of new life in him. That anchor goes through that veil and clanks and holds onto the cross so that when you start pulling, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, you've got this anchor that will not let go because it's hung on the cross of Christ. And because it's hung on the cross of Christ, you have the life of Christ because now you go into the Holy of Holies. Now you go through the veil and all of God is available to you. So just a couple of other phrases I want to give you. Maybe. No, I think that may be all. It's probably enough. Oh yeah, here's the last thing. Sorry, I knew there was one other thing. I was just having some, sometimes God talks to me when I'm intentional and sometimes he just blows me up as we're going. And this is one of those like blow you up as you're going. And he just said, Jenna, what does it mean to follow me? And I'm going, uh, I don't know. And he said, follow me. And this conversation went on for like three or four days and I had a dream and I just saw Jesus walking in my dream and I'm just, he's, and he looks at me, he goes, follow me. And so I start walking after, and he, we just kept talking about it. And after three or four days, there was just the simplicity of, do you grasp the concept? Are you willing to own the reality that your function, your job, your obedience, your devotion comes from a heart that follows him? It doesn't say follow me to the great, un, you know, it doesn't say great things. It doesn't, all these outcomes, it just says follow me follow me. Jesus doesn't even say follow me to great outcomes that you know. He doesn't tell you the future. He just says follow me. Right here. Right behind me. With me. Behind me. Like this synergy of the two of you together. Walking in step together. And I don't know. I told, I tried to tell Tug that I think the reason he had to keep telling me the same thing over and over again is because I wanted it to be more complicated. I want somebody to give me a method. I want somebody to give me steps. I want somebody to come in and like, whoa. No, it's just follow me. You trust the shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because I'm following the shepherd. Because I'm with him. And whatever comes to him takes care of me. Whatever comes through him takes care of me. There's like this surety. And that surety brings hope. So I just want to ask you again, if you're spinning out, freaking out for all of our reasons that we love to talk about in the U.S., is it simply just a matter of the fact that you're not following him today? Not next week, not after this great big outcome has been met today. Are you following him and loving the shepherd wholeheartedly today? That's a question for you to take back to the Lord. So, you know, you know the song, um, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. No turning back. So I just want to pray that over you. God, this seems so simple and yet so very needed. I'm sorry, God, that I make loving you and walking with you so complicated. I'm sorry that 
um, I'm sorry that most of us, many of us, all of us still question your goodness. We'll, we'll go so far, God, and then there'll be this person or this particular, oh, you don't know my mother-in-law. Oh, you don't, you don't know my boss. Oh, you don't know my husband. Oh, you don't know my ex. All these places where we somehow think that your hope is unreachable, unattainable, or it doesn't matter. And I just, so I'm sorry I repent of those places. I do it, and I think collectively as a people, we do it. So, God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. I thank your unfailing love with, for weak people. That you're not mad at us about that, but that you just keep calling to us. Come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. Thank you for your kind voice. Thank you for your kind heart. And uh, I just ask God for a special grace to fall on us tonight. That just tonight, tomorrow, the next day, that you'll keep this word hope, a blood transfusion, God. I Here's what I'm praying against, God. Another message. We don't need another message on hope, God. We need a blood transfusion. So I pray for dreams and visions and encounters that you would reveal yourself to us, God, that we would know something's happened, heaven's touched us, and we can't be hopeless anymore. And I ask that in the power and the grace of the Spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to, um, because I love watching everybody get blown up when we pray together, we're going to pray together. <laughs> so um, here's what I'd like to do. I want to grab, um, I'm not going to assign leaders. I want to break up in groups of, how many are here? Count real quick. Three, five, nine, ten, eleven. Okay, so um, four groups, no, five groups of four. Five groups of four. Okay, you got it? Five groups of four. And um, it'd be great if you didn't get in your comfort zone. It'd be great if you didn't do that. If you didn't know everybody that's in your group so that you can hear from fresh manna, you know. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to get in the center, and these people are going to lay hands on you, and they're going to give you whatever they get. Don't make fun. Just listen. Take it all in. Take it back to Jesus. Then you're going to come out of the circle. Another person's going to come in. And you're just going to lay hands on people. And we're going to just listen for God to talk to us. Because prophetic pictures, words from heaven change our life. Amen? And we need help. The body needs to hear from the body through the power of the Spirit. So we're going to do that. Don't freak out. It doesn't matter if you know how to do it. All right? All right. Let's go. Grace. Grace.